Before you have a seat, why don't you turn around and give somebody a hug or a high five or a fist bump or something? All right. So, um, no, I have three kids, so we have lots of books at our house. We do lots of reading. And one of the books that we have read in the past, and um, is, I don't know if you have heard of this book, it's called The Tale of Three Trees. Have you heard of this book? Raise your hand if you have. Let me just kind of give you the gist of this, of this book. It's, a, it's, it's, it's not a true story. Um, but there's this tale of these three trees, right? And these three trees all had dreams one day of becoming different things. And the first tree, he wanted to become this, this um, treasure chest that held all the precious gold to the world and the most precious gifts. And then the, the second tree, he wanted to um, become this, this mighty ship that um, carried the kings around the world. And then the third tree, he didn't want to be cut down. He wanted to grow tall, really tall and big, so that when people look at this tree, they would think, wow, look how big and strong that tree is. And they think of God and how majestic he is. And one day these, these people came to cut down these trees, and the first tree was cut down and uh, made, made the wood into a feeding trough. And the second tree was cut down, and it, it became an old fishing boat. And then the third tree, who didn't want to be cut down, was cut down, and he just became lumber that was stored away and wasn't used. And then the story goes on that these three trees um, goes, and, and one day... This couple came, and they wanted to, to go to this hotel, but they didn't have room for this hotel. So they went, they put him in this, in this stable, in this barn, and they gave birth to a son named Jesus. And they didn't have anywhere to lay him, so they laid him in this feeding trough that his first tree was made of. And he realized that I wasn't a treasure chest, but I held the greatest treasure of all, which is Jesus Christ. And the second tree, one day Jesus was out on the, storm, on, on, on the, on the waters, and the storm came. And Jesus and the disciples were terrified, and Jesus came out and spoke to the storm, and the storm stood still, and he realized that he was carrying the king of kings on his boats. And then thirdly, one day, this, this, this lumber that was sitting there got disturbed, and this guy was carrying this lumber, and he realized that he was going towards Golgotha, and Jesus was carrying this piece of wood, and he was crucified, he was nailed to this piece of wood, and people looked up at the cross, and they realized they were looking at the Son of God. Now, this is kind of a silly story. And it's, obviously, it's, it's made up, right? Because wood can't, yeah, it doesn't have feelings. Um, but it's, it's, it's a silly story. But the premise behind the story is this. Are you willing to do what God wants you to do in your life? We all have dreams of becoming different things. But are you willing to do what God wants to do in and through your life? Will what you do matter? Will you live a life that matters? And we may think that God wants to use us in big ways for the kingdom of God to change the world single-handedly, but that's not really the case. He doesn't want to use you to change the world. He wants to use people who are willing to surrender their lives to him, people who are available and willing to surrender their lives to him, to be used the way God wants them to be used. And God isn't looking for the best. 
He isn't looking for the biggest. He isn't looking for the brightest person. He's looking for ordinary people like you and me who would place themselves into his hands to be used. So tonight we're going to look at the story of Moses, a story that if you grew up in church, you're very familiar with. We're going to look at three things from his, from his life that where Moses was just an ordinary guy, God used him to do an extraordinary thing. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 2. That's where we're going to start. And the first thing we're going to look at is this. God is bigger than your past. God is bigger than your past. And I don't know your stories. I've heard some of your stories. I even heard a story tonight. I've heard some of your stories. And some of you guys have come from a very, very rough past. Some of you guys have junk in your life. But it doesn't matter what junk is in your life. God can use you in spite of that. God is bigger than your past. And Moses also had a past. Exodus chapter 2, we'll start reading in verse 11. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Remember the story of Moses, right? Moses was, was an Israelite, a Hebrew, who grew up in the house of Pharaoh with the Egyptians. So he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand, so he killed him. Verse 13, when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. He said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you did the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the, in the land of Median, and he sat down by a well. So Moses, he killed someone. He had a past. He had a past. Moses had a lot of junk in his life, and God saw past the junk in Moses' life and chose to use him, as we want to see in a little bit, chose to use him in spite of that. God is not surprised by your past. He's not. He's not surprised by the things that you've done in your past. He's not surprised by the things that you do in secret that you think nobody else knows about, but God knows about it. He's not surprised by those things. And some of you have these feelings that God can't use me because of my junk. He can, and he wants to use you in spite of that. Number two is this. God is bigger than your excuses. God is bigger than your past, but he's also bigger than your excuses. God calls out to Moses in chapter 3. We'll start reading in verse 1. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law. So he left. He went and he got married. He has a father-in-law. His name is Jethro, which is so cool. It says, The priest of the median, he, and he led the, his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Herob, the mountain of God. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. And out of the midst of the bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. So he was out there keep on watching over the sheep, and he saw this bush that was on fire. And this is probably in the, in the desert. Have you guys ever, okay, let me ask this. Have you guys ever saw like a dead Christmas tree catch on fire and how fast it flames up? If you have never done that, you need to do that. It is it's amazing how, with your parents' permission, it's amazing how fast it just lights up. And this bush was being, it was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed by the fire. In other words, it was just on fire. And it, it, 
So scripture says that Moses went over to check out this, this thing that was, that was so strange. Verse 3, and Moses said, um, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out from the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not, do not come near, take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So this bush starts talking to him, right? And it's God speaking to him. And this is what it says in verse 7. And what I want you to notice is all the pronouns I. This is God speaking, and God is about to tell Moses what God is about to do. But he needs Moses to help him with it. He needs Moses to be his hands and feet to do this. This is what he says. Then the Lord said through the bush, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. Who, who are his people? The Hebrews, right? The Israelites. Remember, they were go all the way back to, to Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would, he would be the father of many nations. But he also said, you, will, you and your children, your descendants, would be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. 400 years have already passed, and this is where we are. He says, I have seen... I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzers, lots of ites, all right, Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen their oppression, the oppression of the, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, he's talking to Moses, says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Sorry, my phone is going off. So he's saying, I have seen my people. I've seen their misery. I've, I am concerned about them, and I am going to do something about it. Now I'm going to send you, Moses. I need you to go and be my hands and be my feet. I need, I'm going to send you to Egypt to bring my people, the people that I love, out of slavery. And Moses wasn't very excited about this plan. He didn't jump for joy when he, saw, when he heard that, what God was telling him to do. Instead, he questions God and he doubts God. Look at verse 11. It says, But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He's like, who am I? Who am I that I should go and do this? He says, but I will be with you. Jesus, I mean, God said this, I will be with you, and this will be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So verse 11, he's like, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go? That was an excuse that he had. If you look, we're not going to read these, but if you go down to verse 13, he's like, what, what, do, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. If you go down to ver, uh, verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, what if they don't believe me? What if they laugh at me? What if they don't believe what I'm saying? And then down to verse 10, he says, I don't have what it takes. This is my kind of translation. I don't have what it takes. I'm not a good speaker. I, I stutter. I don't have what it takes. I'm not talented enough. And finally, in verse 13, he's like, all right, God, can you just please send somebody else? I don't want to do it. 
I don't want to do it. Will you please send someone else? Moses was afraid. He was doubtful, just like we are. Moses must have missed those verses 7 through 10. He must have been so enthralled by this bush that was speaking to him that he missed the whole conversation that God says, I would do this. I'm going to, be in, I'm going to do it. I'm going to deliver my people out. Moses, I'm going to send you to, be, to, to do this, to be my hands and feet. He must have missed that whole conversation because Moses is like, no, 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 I can't do this. And we have these same conversations. We have the same, when, when we feel God is telling us to do something, and you heard me, you heard Joe, you heard all these people tell you to go and invite your friends to church and do this and do this. We have these excuses. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Send somebody else to reach my friends. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have this or that. And we just get through spending three weeks on this series being generous. What other way, better way for you to be generous than to tell someone about Jesus Christ, than to tell someone and invite someone to a church so they can hear about Jesus Christ. We have the greatest gift inside our hearts that we can give someone else. And a lot of times we have all these excuses that we don't want to do it. We're doubtful. We're afraid. Number three, God is bigger than your obstacles. Moses ends up going to Egypt. We know the story. And all these obstacles happen. For example, Pharaoh's hardened heart. All these plagues that happen as a result. The Egyptian soldiers is an obstacle. Even his own people, the Israelites, are, are an obstacle. But God was faithful and he removed all those things. And he used Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, just like he said he would do. And one of the biggest obstacles that he faced was the Red Sea. And he finally got his people. Pharaoh finally says, go, take your people, get out of here. And he's leading the people on his face with the Red Sea. And Scripture says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened again, and they came after them. So he, I don't know, maybe he could see the, the, the Egyptians coming after them. But they were faced with this obstacle right in front of them. So let's read, pick up in chapter 14, and let's start reading in verse 10. So it was when Pharaoh drew near, drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? They're like, they're like Moses, it's better for us to be in Egypt and die there than to take us out here to die. Is there are no graves there for us to die and be buried. Um, they said to Moses, oh, I read that. Verse 12, is it not, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And the Lord, and the Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. It's totally different than what it was before, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch it out. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. 
and the people of Israel may go through it, the sea on dry ground. And I'm not going to read the rest of this. It's going to be up on the screen, but I'm not going to read it. Because we know the story, right? He puts his staffs out, and the waters separate. And they go across on dry ground. And when the Egyptians came after them, the waters came back down and killed them. God is bigger than your obstacles. There's obstacles that we have in our lives. There's excuses that we have. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have this. I don't have that. But God is bigger than any of the obstacles that you have. In a few minutes, we're going to sing this song that you guys have probably heard if you've been here. It's called No Longer Slaves. And I want you to just read the second verse to this song. It says this. It says, From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. And I love that because it's pretty much Psalm 139. Before you were born, God had a plan for your life. Do you hear this? Look at me. Before you were even born, God chose you. He chose you. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood throws through my veins. And I love the bridge. It says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. The obstacles that you have in your life, God's saying, stretch out your hand, have faith, and I will split the sea so you can walk right through it. I will take care of the obstacles that you have in your life, the excuses that you have. Just have faith in me, and I will split the sea so you can walk right through it. It says, my fears are drowned in perfect love. How many of us are afraid, don't answer out loud, but how many of us are afraid to share our faith, our testimony with our friends? You rescue me and I will stand and sing, I am a child of God. And when we sing that song, I want it to be so loud in this place. If you believe it, that he has split, he has taken care of the obstacles in our life. You split the sea so I can walk right through it. My fears are drowned in your perfect love. God is in the business of using ordinary people like you and like me to do extraordinary things, just like he did time and time again in Scripture. There's so many examples of God using broken people to do great things. He's calling you. What do you need to do? Your last blank is this, be available. Be available. Don't wait for your problems to get solved or your obstacles to get removed. Don't spend your life preparing to be used someday. Make yourself available today. And I have in there in your outline a silly little story that I ran across years ago. And I think I put it in there because so, it's kind of confusing. But we're going to read it together. Um, just kind of follow along. It says, this is a story of four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job that needed to be done, which we all have an important job that needs to be done. And everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry that, about, it, about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. And you've got to process that. Don't process it now. Go home and process it. But we all have a job to do. 
Everybody has a job. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you have a job, and that's the Great Commission, to go and tell people about Jesus. We have a job. And you're going to hear me say this a lot because I'm passionate about it. You're going to hear me give messages about us going and fulfilling the Great Commission because we need to be more outward-focused than inward-focused. And we need to tell people, and the reason I want to give this message tonight, right before summer comes, right before summer hits, because I know what happens in the summer. We kind of take our guards off. It's like, oh, it's summertime. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to do this. I don't have to tell my friends. I don't have to do We kind of just let our guards down during the summer. But we all have a job to do. And we all expect somebody to do it. But he has called all of us to do it. And what if, because there's this trend that happens all across America during the summer. And I'm sure it happens here. I haven't been here during the summer yet, but I'm sure it happens that church attendance and even student ministry attendance does this during the summer. Does it happen here, Joe? Maybe. Sometimes. But it's, it's typical for that to happen. What if, what if, what if? That was reversed. What if we got this, that we have a job to do? And what if our, it went this way? What if we realize that we have people that need to hear about Jesus Christ? I want to show you this picture. Um, this is a picture of a guy named Davis. And some of you may have seen it on my Instagram or Facebook this week. This, his name is Davis Cripe. And three years ago, he was in my student ministry at my last church. And three years ago, he went to a summer camp that I ran. And he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. But he had a friend who invited him time and time again, please come. His mom even went. says, I'll go if you go. And he ended up going. And at summer camp in Panama City, Florida, he gave his life to Christ. And that was at the pool at the hotel that we stayed in getting baptized. Two weeks ago, I got a phone call when I was in Florida that he died. Had a seizure at school. They couldn't revive him, and he died. And a week ago tonight, they buried him. Now, I don't share that story. I hate emotions. Not I don't have emotions, but I, I hate being emotional during a message. I don't share that story to scare you or to make you sad or whatever, but rather for you maybe to feel the urgency of this. For you to feel the urgency that you have friends, if they were to die, they wouldn't, they're not promised tomorrow. You have friends that would not inherit the kingdom of God if they were to die. They'd be eternally separated from God forever. Since I've been here, there's been at least three students, maybe four, that have passed on. And again, I don't do that to scare you. I do it for you to feel maybe just a little bit of the urgency that we have. That life is temporary. That we're not promised another day. I remember our best friends so this is a friend of a friend, my best friend's pastor that she was serving on a church staff. 
and he, he gave this message at our, at our church. He said that in his neighborhood, down two houses down on the corner, was a guy that lived there. And it was very apparent that this guy was not a believer. The way his lifestyle, he was a very rough-looking guy. Um, and he knew that he wasn't a believer. And he was, he was actually kind of scared of this guy. And Max, this pastor, shares a story of this guy. He got a knock on the door one day, and he opened the door, and there's this guy. He's, he's standing there in front of him. And this guy looked at Max, says, It's obvious that you knew I wasn't a believer. Then he asked a question that Max said has haunted him. He says, why did you not love me enough to share with me the good news of Jesus Christ? Why didn't you love me enough to come and share and invite me to church to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? You guys have friends. You have just a couple weeks of school left. If you're a senior, you have a couple days of school left. And you'll leave people that you'll never see again. Would you have any regrets if you never saw somebody again and you didn't have a chance to share or invite them to church? There's a a movie I saw um, a couple, probably a month or so ago, six weeks ago, called Hacksaw Ridge. Have you all seen that? It's kind of gory. Um, it's a war movie. Um, but there's a scene in that movie that I want to show you guys. It's not too bad, I promise. Um, there's a scene in that movie that when I saw it, I said, that needs to be every single Christian that's alive have that urgency that we talked about. So I'm going to show you this clip, and then we'll, we'll close um, in just a few minutes. So this is based on, off of a true story. Um, the guy's name is Dedman Doss, and because of his religious beliefs, he wanted to serve his country, but he didn't. His, because of his, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, and they don't believe you should carry guns. And so he went to war. I can't remember what war, maybe World War II or one. And he went to war as a medic. And he didn't have any weaponry. And he just went. I mean, the troops have gone back to their base camp. And he stayed up there to try to find people who were still alive so that he could rescue them, he could save them. And that's what he's doing in this scene. And he's tired. He's been awake for hours. And he's like, one more. I got to get one more. And he gets the strength up to go and find one more. And he lowers him down. He says, one more. i got to find one more. And he finds him. And he rescued 75 people that night. 75 people who they left for dead. He rescued 75 people that night. And as Christians, what if we had this urgency? One more. i got to reach one more. Now, you've heard this language, you and two, Right? 
you heard it on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday mornings on the weekends. You've heard it here. That you should have two people that you're trying to reach for Christ. And once, once they come to know Christ, you need to find another one. I need one more. I need one more. And we just have this urgency throughout our lives that we can need to reach one more, reach one more, reach one more for Christ. And he's bigger than your past. He's bigger than your excuses. He's bigger than any obstacle that you have. And he's calling you to reach one more. So this summer, don't take it easy, but feel the urgency to reach one more. One more. Tim, I don't know how to reach one more. And we will equip you throughout the year. But for now, just simply invite them to church. Invite them. If you don't know how, you live in, in, in the age of technology. You can go on YouTube. You can find, if, if this was important, you would find ways to share Christ. There's all kinds of resources out there. But reach one more. Reach one more. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. For the example in Scripture that um, we saw the night with Moses that um, in spite his past and the, the, the excuses that he gave that you didn't give up on him, that you still called him, you still called him to do the plan that you wanted him to do. And you used him, you never left him. And God, I know that you have called us, you've called each of us as, as believers to um, go and share the love of Jesus to those around us. So, God, I pray you put a burden on our hearts. I pray that you will um, just give us a sense of urgency for us to reach one more for you. For us to reach one more for you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.